0: i Spaces Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, April 29th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the IBC Gang Lounge, talking about decentralized internet access with the Althea Network. Let's take a listen. Oh, yeah, this is a two parter. This is part one of two.
1: Welcome, everybody. Just uh, a little heads up on what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we have Deborah here, who's the uh, CEO at Over and co founder at uh, Althea Network. So all the Network's are really cool. They're kind of like uh, decentralizing and democratizing internet access in like fast and affordable way. So it's going to be really cool because um, as we all know, uh, we need to decentralize all parts um, of this ecosystem, you know, so that includes the internet, which all, all of this is running on. So have you had a good week, Deborah? What you been up to?
2: Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's been it's been really kind of
3: crazy, but also awesome. So we we made I made a stop in Atlanta, where there is a an an Althea network just getting started there. Um, And then we went over to Amsterdam to say hello to all the folks there at DevConnect and um, did a really awesome talk with the um, zero knowledge validator. Um, And then zipped over to the Pentagon, actually, where we were um, asked to kind of speak and present on um, not only, you know, what, uh, you know, decentralizing the Internet infrastructure looks like, but also some really exciting ways that we can um, make more permissionless and secure 5G stack. Um, So that's we can get into that a little bit, but that's pretty fun and exciting. I'm pretty excited about all of that stuff. Um, and uh then was just down in San Diego where we're also building a network together with a
1: um uh in the you know, the opportunity and promise zones there. Man, that all sounds awesome. You know, and it's like as cool as that is, I've uh I've been traveling a lot recently too. So I feel you're I I, I appreciate you and all your dedication doing all that traveling all that all so quick. Uh, cause I know that's not easy.
3: <laughs> I feel like the whole cosmos ecosystem has just been on the moves move lately, right? Just sort of like um <laughs> uh being uh, um a citizen of the world right and not necessarily
2: um staying put for very long
1: exactly yeah there's a vish down there from quicksilver and i was joking with him you know uh, i was like man you're just keeping your backpack and your computer and just going everywhere around the world huh i was like where are you at today
4: <laughs> so it's a pretty crazy lifestyle but it's fun that's awesome i love uh uh, you know, any chance I get to to hear about you know some exciting new technology, I'm excited. So, uh, looking forward to hearing about your journey in the in the crypto uh, and technology space, ever.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because we we started Althea back in 2018, which is like you know really OG. <laughs> I think in um in in the this is a really fast moving world, right? I mean, there's so much has happened um in the last year, but you know we've really been you know kind of building away somewhat quietly for, for years now. And there's some interesting evolution of how that worked, right? You know, 2018 building in crypto, it was ETH um, payment channels, right? Like that, that was going to be the answer to everything back then. Um, you know, token curated registries, remember those? <laughs> um, you know, so it's just interesting to see the kind of evolution and, and, and where things are headed.
1: Yeah. What I love most about these Cosmos projects that just pop up out of nowhere is like, like you said, just kind of putting your head down, building in the, in the shadows, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, bam, here we are. You know, and they just splash on the scene. Yeah, So exactly. it looks like we've, we've got a, a good amount of uh, people in here, so we can just go ahead and get, uh, get started um, with uh, the show. Um, just so everybody knows, we have uh, Deborah here. Um, she's involved in a lot of projects, but uh, we're going to be kind of focusing tonight on um, Althea Network, which is a really cool project that uh, she's a part of and, and working on. Um, so Deborah, maybe let's just start with, uh, your intro. Like explain us to the, to the crowd, kind of who you are, your crypto journey, how you got here. Um, then we can go into, uh, Althea network and what that is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here again. And, and thanks so much for having me. Um, so crypto journey actually was, uh, like pre Bitcoin for me, um, with a thing called folding at home, right? So you have distributed compute. By um, folding proteins as part of a science project, um, which you know I think uh, was where I originally got excited about decentralized systems. Um, gosh, I don't remember how long that was. You know, and then through Bitcoin um, and, and mining, and, um, I saw, and through the kind of like Namecoin journey, I'm excited about that. And um, you know, to to where I ended up, basically around 2016, 2017, rural area. Um and uh, seeing this sort of misalignment between the current system of delivering internet, where we, you know, have a captured user, you have a single, you know, fiber line or um, you know, wireless line, um, and uh, that then you buy internet on a subscription. But if you think about buying things, um, like with a captured user on a subscription, you know, think about it, in, uh, the alignment of or the misalignment of what that does between the carrier and the, and the user, it's pretty easy to see why we ended up with such a poor system um, of quality of internet and um, uh, also why it's been difficult for carriers to be able to sort of build into challenging areas, right? Where we only see people build multiple fiber lines uh, into areas where um, there already exists the internet Um, but what we, what we sort of looked at is like, okay, well, where does the internet work? Right. Um, and it turns out that if you look kind of at the, um, internet exchange, this is where all the different carriers sort of come in there's what they call literally a meet me room. Um, and then the carriers pay to peer on each other's lines. And when they do that, they don't charge each other subscriptions. They charge each other on the commit or per bandwidth. Right. So when bandwidth becomes a commodity, something really interesting happens, right? An open marketplace starts to take place um, and uh, the cost over the last 20 years, year over year has gone down and the quantity over the last 20 years, year over year has gone up. So Althea is the premise that you can create that same open and interoperable marketplace all the way down to the device level, that last mile internet, and even down to your handset, um, and sort of decouple that service layer and service can be local. Right. Um, and so we got started building in 2018, started actually building networks, delivering this to real people and trying this out. And so now we have networks in six states. We're like 72% of all the microtransactions on XDAI. Um, we are building in Fiber and LTE, and we're actually in Nigeria and Ghana. Um, and now we're looking at launching the Althea blockchain um, in probably early summer. And there's yeah. some bits about the gravity bridge and <laughs> lots of other things that took us to get to where we're at now. But um, that's kind of the general sense here.
1: That's awesome. So you mentioned at the end there launching kind of like the yeah, via chain, uh, like your own chain. Um, is that going to be a Cosmos chain? Uh, what does that look like?
3: Yes. Yes. So. Um, we we've always planned on launching a Althea blockchain in the Cosmos space for years, um, but we got held up because the Althea um, system works on stable coins. Right. So people load their routers up with, um, you know, EVM based stable coins, die or whatever. Um And then those transactions are metered and routed and and built on the Althea platform. Well, for, you know, back in 2018, you know, there was this kind of thoughts around Peggy, but it had kind of stalled out. Um, And so we kind of detoured a bit to build this bridge. Um, And now we're back to kind of, now that the bridge is built, now we're ready to to launch the blockchain itself.
4: That's cool. You mentioned that it was on an LTE and a fiber network. Does that mean that, Uh, Althea is like a network that can be used by both mobile and internet or is it um, just uh, geared towards one or...
3: Yeah, so that, that's what's so exciting about Althea is it is a platform. So it's firmware that lives on, you know, either consumer routers or the core router, um, but it's device agnostic. So it can run, you know, on any OpenWRT compatible router or any x86 machine. Um, it's very flexible. And then it's medium agnostic, too. So you can use fixed wireless antennas. You could use fiber um, to deliver um, the Internet. And what we have been building is in the LTE stack. So right now we have a uh, private LTE, 4G LTE uh, core because there's two components with LTE. There's a radio layer and then there's like a core part. So what's cool about the core that we did too is um, we also wanted to give that same flexibility to building LTE networks, like to your handset. So we embedded what they call the EPC right in the home router. So your home router is your Althea instance, it's your blockchain wallet, it does all the routing and the billing. um, And now it's also a core for, you know, you can plug in an LTE small cell network or something like that and grow the network that way too. Um, So uh, that's pretty, pretty cool, I think.
1: Yeah, so this sounds kind of like, I don't know if anybody's familiar with like Helium, where it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of getting local area networks to set up to provide service to local communities. some communities that maybe not would have had the coverage before um so like what does that look like for like a community that wants to have althea like kind of service their community in their area um and have like that that access to the network um is that open to anybody do they have to partner up with you um and what's that look like going forward
3: yeah and so just to kind of Back up and add a bit of context here, Um, helium is the kind of best known um, teleco and blockchain intersection, Um, but there's kind of a core difference here right so. Um, Helium sort of premises, um, they're going to pay people in Helium token for co-locating uh, Helium wireless instances, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to be useful. Um, there is a proof of location kind of component to it, but that doesn't mean it has to be used or there's a customer or it can just be kind of sitting there, right? And then you get this speculative token for it. Um, and that's helped them really grow very quickly. Um, and then Althea though, instead is actually a platform that Helium could live on top of. Um, but it's an underlying platform for metering and building transactions. And it's primarily utilized with stable currencies, right? And then a revenue share um, for each of the participating nodes. So there does have to be a coordinated network and and real people using it and customers. So um, it's kind of a, a different, you know, I think underlying premise uh to, you know, or, or maybe look at that perhaps even a different underlying goal. Um so when um so this is primarily used by carriers or or you know other ISPs or, you know other people can also very easily start their own Althea networks. It's it's much easier to start an Althea network and manage an Althea network than it is a traditional ISP. Um, we, we built our own like network management stack The routers themselves are managed. You can see the ping like so many of the things we built made it um, easier for people to do the lift of building networks. Um, and yeah, the, the easiest way is to get started by reaching out to us. We do have lots of tools and documentation and things that like help guide you through that process. Um, uh, of getting like wholesale bandwidth and and going through all the, those things there, too. But there's another angle here, too. So what we've had a lot of people kind of reach out to us about, um, like, let's say you're a larger company. Like we had a, a, a car company reach out to us and say, hey, we're going to be spending multiple billions of dollars on connectivity over the next couple of years, over the next five years. What if since we have all these locations everywhere? We instead took a few of those billion dollars, ran the Althea instance, Um, our private network could then be public facing and we can earn revenue and leverage the assets we have. So I think also there um, is an emerging, you know, um, kind of, uh, I would say customer necessarily for us, but a user for this product, which is, it's just just people that have real estate that want to leverage it or would have a lot of connectivity costs. Now that they can build private networks that are also public.
4: That's awesome. So, is it, if somebody wanted to run this on their own router, is there like custom firmware that you would flash onto it, or how does that work?
3: Yep, everything's open source. If you want to run it, um, you can do some cool stuff like you can um, plug in um, a Wi Fi hotspot, and then uh, nearby neighbors can get um, the app on their phone, and you meter and buy pay for that that way that's how it works in emerging markets a lot of ways um so you can actually go to the alfea github download the firmware off you go
1: that's cool so and I, I did actually enter my email so that i can be on the wait list for the router
2: oh
1: mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's it's super cool that you guys are going to be providing that you said that, so that's like your wallet all-in-one has all the firmware installed And just like instantly is like your access point to the Althea network. And will it also work? Like say somebody doesn't necessarily have Althea like in their area yet. Can they still use that just with regular internet?
2: Yeah,
3: and there's some reasons why you might want to, right? So one of the cool things about it is um, it's an SCN platform with a kind of hardware VPN built in, right? So all of these networks are actually encrypted um, between router to router and then network-wide. So let's say you're using Comcast, you plug in your Althea network, you're not going to exit your traffic through the Comcast network. That's going ed- to exit through a decentralized group of um, Althea exit nodes, right? Um Which I'm really excited about because one of the cool things Althea does actually is what we call a price aware routing protocol, which means that on your dashboard, you have one side that says cost and the other side of the slider bar that says latency and quality. And you can choose how you want to route through the network and then it will the routing protocol will route your traffic through that network that way based on cost or latency and then pay those upstream providers, you know, all the different decentralized multi entity ones. And then it becomes your choice. So you get some really cool, like if you can think about the vision as this thing grows and scales, you might be able to specify, you know, I want two millisecond latency. I want I'm okay with ten millisecond latency um, as it routes through the core network, or from a mobile network perspective, you're you know walking from through the city and you um, select a cost and a latency that you want to pay for. And it's going to hit that mobile tower. Um, Based on your preferences, and then pay them in a permissionless way. So that's where we're going,
1: which I'm pretty excited about. So you can really customize like exactly the kind of internet experience that you want as far as performance and as far as what it's kind of like. Yeah,
3: exactly. Now, the Scope of this, as it is right now, as we're just kind of getting started, is somewhat limited. Your choices don't make that big of a difference. But as this network grows and scales, as there's more of what we call the exit nodes at the core and the data centers, as there's more mobile towers participating, then your choices start becoming, you know, infinitely bigger.
1: That's really cool. I I, I love this, like, the way that we're trying to continue to decentralize and democratize, like, these completely centralized sources, like, like resources, but they're so crucial. Like we can't get by without them. So, you know, we, or do we do what we have to? Um, but just the fact that people are building that and you're building like a system that's like able to be built upon and like have layers with all these other services as well, uh, which I think brings a lot of value to, to everybody in the cosmos, but just, you know, the general user on the internet.
2: Yeah,
3: I mean, and that's kind of one of the cool things about the integration with the Gravity Bridge that, you know, I I see evolving as this moves along too, right? So. Um, between IBC and Gravity Bridge, you're essentially loading in EVM-based stables, right? And then from your dashboard, you could conceivably access, sent, you know, by DVPN through Sentinel. You want to, you know, uh, add your computer to, add your compute to Akash. It's all right there from one dashboard. It's very easy. And so um, all of the complexities of interconnecting within the Cosmosverse um, are kind of extracted away Um and, and the user could just click one button and, and you know buy some regen, buy some car, you know, <laughs> um, and and participate in this whole expansive um, universe that is Cosmos.
4: I love that, um, especially the part about like where you can direct what you want to like have comp- uh, like share the computing with Akash. That's that's so cool. Um, where where is that live now? As far as like the the network, where can you access that?
3: So um, we we have smaller, you know, networks in about six different states and a variety of different medium. Um, and people are building uh, networks, you know, as we speak and um, come from a few different places. Uh, but you can definitely, like I said, uh, if you want to just experience the dashboard or look at the firmware, or look under the hood. The easiest way is just to grab a router, or you know, go to the GitHub and flash your own, and start you know experiencing that and and, and taking a look at that. Um, one of the neat things is too is one of um, the people that are building a network in the Montana area also like they're working with Nim, right? They're going to integrate in some of the Nim stack into the router because um, I think one of the salient points you mentioned earlier is this is almost like a base layer, right? Um, you know, if you can create a system that meters and bills and microtransactions, you know, creates an alignment between user and um, provider, you can pretty much, you know, build all kinds of neat things on top of it, distributed energy grids, stuff like that.
1: That's awesome. If there is anybody out there in the crowd that wants to come up and ask questions, uh, don't be afraid to ask. Um, if you want to DM us and just have us ask the question, you can do that as well. Um, but we've uh, we got a really cool uh, project in the Althea network that uh, I know I'm excited for. So if you have any questions or just want to say anything, feel free to, feel free to ask while oh, we've got Deborah up here. Um, hey, so uh, I think,
2: or Devin, what's up? Yeah, real quick. Uh, I don't want to take up a speaker spot or anything. I'm kind of just listening. This all sounds really cool. I'm, I'm kind of new to all this stuff. So uh,
1: it's
2: really interesting just listening. I think, Deborah, you're pretty awesome. Aw,
1: Thanks. Oh, thanks, Devin. Yeah, no worries. We uh, we got plenty of speaker spots available right now, so <laughs> you're good. Don't worry. Um, but so maybe like you could explain to us, Deborah a little bit. Like, what's like the long term vision here? Um, like, this seems like more of like a long term play. This isn't something that's like a short term crypto. Like, yes, yes. Hurry up. Let's go. Like, this is so cool. Pump, pump. Like, you know, this is like a it's infrastructure for a decentralized world um, that is going to take some time to build, but it's going to be so worth it. So like, what's your, what's your long-term vision and like, how do you view this panning out?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that perspective. And I think that's how we look at it too. And I think you can see that by the, by, um, our attention to building those underlying core, you know, pieces and then, you know, building the networks with real people, you know, we have fire stations and, you know, businesses and emergency management and like, you know, real people use this every day for their internet. Um, and so our focus was getting the product right, and then you know launching the blockchain components that will help it scale. Um, and I and I think just to add another like contextual piece here, um, one of the reasons, like myself personally, I feel like this is so and Im- vital and important is. Um, that it protects our kind of core freedoms, right? The the freedom to be able to associate with who we want to be able to, to say what we want and to enable people to learn and um, self-actualize, right? Um, So a lot of my life has just been, you know, learning everything I needed to know on the internet from wherever I was at, right? Um, and that's such a core empowerment and and access to these 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 freedoms that that should be innate to every human being. Um, and I was at a keynote, uh, uh like a, I was listening to a keynote at a, a conference, right? That was put on by CenturyLink, which is a big, um, you know, network in the U.S. And um, they said something that was like really chilling, right? And one of the things where I feel like there's so much urgency to our work. And they were talking about how, um why bigger businesses and 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 hotels and resorts should allow to have free, free Wi-Fi because they had a bunch of statistics about how you could control human behavior by just providing free internet access, right? You would stay a little bit longer at that restaurant. Maybe you would, you know, do a few more slots at the casino or whatever that was. But the core underlying thing was that, um, instead of that freedom of choice that you might have, as long as they had access to your Internet stream, they could essentially control your behavior. Um, I don't I think that's very stoic, right? <laughs> that's not the world I'm here to see. Um, so I think there is such a um, timely and urgent element to the work that we do um, that, you know, that keeps it keeps us all kind of driving forward now. That said, (laughs) yes, the cool stuff that's coming down the pipeline is a thing we call liquid infrastructure. So um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that, if I can sort of shift gears between like protecting our core freedoms to then also this really cool thing we can do by tokenizing infrastructure. Yep. Um, So um, one of the things that we noticed when we started building these networks is, um, you know, telco is actually a pretty high capital intensive field right so when you're building fiber optic it can cost you know two thousand to five thousand dollars per household to connect i mean we've got it as cheap as a thousand but um it's still pretty expensive mno towers a couple hundred thousand dollars so what we noticed is that there was a very limited market though right so you'd spend all this capital and then once you got the three big carriers on your tower you were kind of done right so um there, uh, this, this was continuing to aggregate. And then also, um, it was, it was difficult. Many telcos actually go out of business. They go bankrupt, right? This isn't working for carriers either. Um, so one of the exciting things that we'll be working on directly kind of after the token launch and kind of around the same time is what we call liquid infrastructure. And that's simply, um, you know, taking your, mobile tower, your fiber optic cable, and creating a, a token out of that, right? That can be um, you know, uh sold more easily or bundled into, you know, and, and pooled into things like funds, right? And then people can then buy um derivative, you know, potentially like a a, a, a derivative of that token pool or whatever, right? Um, and one of the very first things that's really cool um that we're going to be doing is tokenizing uh RF's licensed RF spectrum, right? So what that'll look like, this is really cool. I'm excited about this, is um, you'll take, let's, you know, a um, let's say band 48 PALS license or something like that. This is a license frequency from the FCC um, that a, a carrier might have, but isn't using in a certain area. And then you'll have like just that regional area. Um, and then we can sort of embed the contractual metadata into that NFT. Um, so it really represents that. Um that contractual data, um, but we can do a couple of really cool things, right? So carriers were really excited about the fact that they could add royalties to this, um, that we could use the Gravity Bridge to, um, to, you know, purchase or sublease or have reoccurring payments in stable coins. Um, and uh, that you then have this asset that's much easier to trade and move around than you would right now, which is incredibly hard. I mean, like buying licensed spectrum is, is
1: a very difficult thing. Tokenized assets. That's that's gonna be super cool, and like that just opens up so many totally more possibilities. Um, but like, so like one of the things I keep hearing you say is like that the the interest in this network from like you said the Pentagon and these carriers. So do you guys kind of already have like talks going on with like key infrastructure providers in this kind of uh, industry? um you guys kind of already like like we talked about earlier, just been working in the dark and you're ready to rise. Uh, it's kind of what it sounds like.
3: Yeah. I mean, the thing about um, working in, you know, either with with, with larger entities like that is the sales cycle or the, you know, the biz dev cycle is very long, right? Um, And, uh, you know, so we never want to like, pre-promise anything while it's still in the discussion phase. Uh, So, uh, you know, there's obviously but there is a lot of conversations that are that are happening. And I think what's what's more important is that I think we really have found that like product market fit, you know, the the pain points that exist in the real world, um, you know, kind of as I mentioned earlier, the salient point is that, this infrastructure, it's not like carriers are like evil guys out, whatever. No, the, the systems don't work for um, the telcos and they don't work for the users. I and mean, then it just sort of broken all around. Um, and so what I'm really excited about is that, you know, hey, this is a system that solves you know everyone's problems, right? And aligns everyone in a, um, you know, in a very crypto way. That's what we're, you know, um, here to do. Uh so I, and I, and I think it's been resonating with the discussions that we've had with 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 larger entities.
1: That's super cool, uh, Noel. Noel, so uh, how you doing? You came up on stage. You got a question like that? Uh yeah, mate. But uh, can you just give me a couple of minutes? Oh yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, Noel's usually uh working on site when he's when he's running the spaces so no worries um if there's anybody else out there that wants to uh come up and ask a question um feel free to respond or request the mic um we're nice people up here uh we'll give you a safe space to talk and you can come up and
4: hang and ask anything you want deborah is there like a timeline that we would see um the token like for sale
3: yeah so um that is so the token for sale. To um, like, we, we do want to launch the token, but we have a little bit more of a progressive decentralization vision with Althea, kind of to the points that we raised earlier, right? About, um, uh, you know, lar- the 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 kind of larger entities, the need for a lot of uptime, right? So, y- if we had a, a blockchain, you know, halt or a failure or whatever, you know, it's not just inconvenience for finance. I mean, this is this is very critical infrastructure that could, you know, potentially go down. So, I think the way that. um And, you know, it's interesting and along on our journey back in 2019, when we were originally going to launch the token, um, we did the world's first securities compliant airdrop and on on the Republic platform. uh, And and those folks, of course, will be uh, getting Althea token um, at launch. Um, But I think that we are going to take sort of a measured approach to, you know, decentralizing that out and, um, you know. Tie that in with the, you know, the use and and the building of networks, right? Because I think that at the core of what we're trying to do in crypto by exiting to the community is that that those that are using the network or building the network or have an alignment with the network should own and have stakeholdership and be able to make choices about what happens there. Um, and so we want to make sure that as that gets decentralized, that that's the that those entities are aligned, right? That we're not just basically launching a token, you know, and some big carrier is going to come and buy all of it and <laughs> or, you know, a speculator, right? But we want those that are building networks that are investing in that infrastructure that are growing Telco out to have that ownership and stake. So um, I, I wouldn't exactly be able to tell you a, t- a timeline, but I, I think that if you are building and growing the ecosystem, then the, the, that's more likely that there'll be an alignment there.
4: That's awesome. I love that answer and um yeah I, I just appreciate everything uh that you said there that's awesome uh i'm back <laughs> what's up no
5: hey man uh just working <laughs> like uh like usual licking our wounds today after uh the uh, juno whale has done some reshuffling of his delegations but um still other than that pretty good um with the uh althea um just been listening along here. It sounds, man, we're, it sounds pretty exciting, actually. Um, We're big fans of uh, new tech that is, um, you know, running blockchains that actually have a purpose in the world, like, uh, you know, Sentinel and Cash and things along those lines Um, makes us pretty excited. And I just wanted to ask um, for uh, Althea, what is the role of the blockchain? Um I might have you might have already talked about this earlier. I, I might have come into this a little bit late. Um but I was just curious about the role of the blockchain and how uh it will develop uh, along with the business plan for um Althea. Yeah,
3: that's that's a great question and um uh, I'm going to try to answer that as broadly as I can while we'll also sort of respecting, you know, that we have to be uh, cognizant of the legal implications as well. Um So essentially, uh, all of the transactions in, you know, uh, that happen in stable coins uh, are going to settle onto like, so we'll have, let's say we have, uh, we'll go through the gravity bridge. So people will pay and die, they'll get gravity die, and they'll be that, that's what will be traded across the Althea blockchain. Um, And then it'll settle to the Althea chain, Althea token holders who are securing that blockchain will, will get a, um, um, uh, there's a, a transaction fee that's remitted that's um, delivered to those folks securing the, you know, staking and securing this chain there. Um, but further, when we start talking about liquid infrastructure, that's also going to be built and correlated with um, the 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 bandwidth transactions. Right. And that's that's what's so kind of neat about our approach to tokenizing infrastructure is that um, this piece of infrastructure, let's say it's a radio tower, an MNO tower. Um, You're going to see those bandwidth transactions. You'd be able to have like a record of how um, you know how much yield or how much money that tower has been making, right? Um, And then also see the increase as you add in Althea and these kinds of things too. Um, But all of that's going to happen on the Althea blockchain itself, Um, and it's it's a Cosmos uh, uh, blockchain, right? So you'll have the same sorts of governance and all those things too that are so important to you know the health of a of the blockchain itself. Hopefully that answers your question.
5: Yeah, I think uh, more or less answers um, my question. So Uh, thanks.
3: The other kind of neat thing about this, and this is the case with Gravity Bridge, too, is the um, the beyond inflationary rewards that could be possible. Um, the, those, the transaction fee is going to be in that stable coin as well. Right. So you can, one of the neat kind of things too, is that because all of these routers or, you know, eventually it's going to be your blockchain wallet and your, you know, Althea instance in your car or, or whatever. Um, you then have a really easy way to sort of interact with DeFi, right so i think one of the things that's potentially interesting for like telco and carriers is like all of that you know liquidity that's moving through the system right now they're not really leveraging it right (laughs) you know you get pen and paper somebody sends a check to comcast right it's it's sort of like a lot of inefficiencies in that the the liquidity moving through the network but because this is all like you know interacting with you know um you know stable coins it gives us the opportunity to sort of move those around in a you know perhaps a little bit less of a a more risk averse way right and then also participate in DeFi for both the user and the carrier. So
4: so
5: how um, how necessary is it then for uh, Althea to actually have their own blockchain and could the same thing be sort of uh, done using an existing chain?
2: Well, we use
3: XDAI and it hasn't been going super great. Um, so uh, we are, like I said earlier in the conversation, 72% of the microtransactions that happen on XDAI, Um, But the node infrastructure isn't very robust. It's not built. Most of the blockchains out there are not built for Um, high uptime microtransactions, right? They're built for for natural transactions and, you know, there's a preference for for those um, over that and they can tolerate some latency. There really isn't a blockchain that exists that I'm aware of that um, is built for the requirements um, and has that interoperability that Althea Telco is is going to need.
5: So is that meaning that Althea is building uh, sort of a module or, or additional functionality to the Cosmos SDK to be able to handle uh, higher throughput in terms of microtransactions, or is it just the architecture of Cosmos suits that already?
3: It's more the latter. The architecture suits it. However, we um, we can have preferential treatment for almost like a QoS. So like with Internet quality of service, you let the microtransactions or the, the micro, the smaller packets for like Zoom and things like that go ahead of the larger downloads. Well, we can do that same thing with the Cosmos SDK as well. Right. So we can ensure the telco transactions are always going through while allowing some latency um, on you know those more bulk or financial types of transactions. So, um, yeah, the, the SDK is really uh, flexible in that way.
5: So that sounds then that, um, you know, you guys definitely would have to be building, um, you know, custom modules for the SDK to be able to achieve that. Cause I think there's no ordering of transactions currently, um, in the, in the SDK.
3: Yeah. And I, I would also say that it's going to be an evolution, right? So one of the trickier things is going to be we're going to launch our blockchain and then we're going to have our, you know, our many, many users that are on XSci right now. We're going to have to move them over <laughs> to the Cosmos blockchain. So this isn't going to happen, you know, overnight. We can't have, you know, the local fire station all of a sudden not have Internet because we've moving their blockchain around. Um so uh you know i i don't think um you know the vision of course is there this is what we're building for is it going to happen overnight no
5: so i guess um i have one other question sort of regarding the the blockchain and how it integrates um take for example uh just a few days ago there was a chain halt on a cache um and obviously a cache has live apps running um which utilizes part of the network uh, for payment um but those apps all were able to keep running because they sort of do run on centralized uh infrastructure that's not dependent on the blockchain other than being able to uh interact with the instance which is done through the blockchain so the way uh althea operates is it completely dependent on an operating blockchain or if there's downtime in the blockchain can it still Uh, survive
3: well yeah right so there that i think that's a really important point right you have a firmware um that uh basically is doing the, the the meter transactions and what happens we actually just had this happen a little bit ago too with the uh, the XI nodes right is if the router paying and the router receiving payment are you know are receiving different information um, and then they might they might think they didn't pay right and so then they'll get enforced on right that's how it works right so it sends little microtransactions around and um, if the payments don't go through the router just assumes it hasn't been paid and then it throttles that internet down so if we have you know if there's some awareness of advance you know like there's going to be a chain halt or something like that to upgrade you could um you could sort of you know universally uh say um you know, not to turn off enforcement or something like that, or disable that kind of thing too. But there can be some things we can do to, you know, mitigate and sort of work around that and have fail-safes in it, but it is pretty darn integrated with the blockchain.
5: So I think like, you know, just thinking out loud, something that might be of uh, benefit there would be have um, to guarantee service with an escrow um, so that, you know, the clients uh, can sort of estimate that they've got a certain amount of uptime based on the escrow amount if they lose contact with the network i know that um
3: they do yeah they have a small amount
5: okay i've seen some other networks experimenting with like streaming payments as well um Mm -hmm. which could be interesting but i think that's sort of done through um uh like smart contracts though
3: yeah and So that I mean early on in our twenty eighteen history was like we were going to do payment channels um and we found that the complexity of sort of opening and closing channels and them out there that it was better just to settle directly onto the chain um but um but yeah, I think there there are things that we can do there um on the kind of software layer to sort of absorb the bumps of of the the blockchain itself um but uh you know I, I don't think that that's like. You know, um, it hasn't been one of the main primary failure
5: routes currently. Cool. Well, I'm just about out of questions. So uh, thanks for indulging
4: me.
3: Yeah, no, it was great. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you, Noel. We actually have a, a question from the audience. Um, Deborah, do you know Threefold and are there any similarities with uh, your project? Uh, I know Threefold is coming to Cosmos in the coming months. Thank you.
3: I am not familiar with three folds. Is it similar to like a pollen or a helium?
4: Yeah, I'm I'm unfamiliar myself. So uh, this was a question from Jeffrey. So if we get clarification on that, I'll let you know.
3: I, I do know this sort of idea of like incentivizing use is pretty you know pretty common, right? And there's been a several projects that have been you know kind of launched with that um, thought or use case in mind and. Um, you know, since you know, probably four or five years now, um, one of the uh, one of the difficulties with that is is Sybil, right? So, um, and I, I don't think I've seen a network that sort of navigated that. Even Helium, had, uh, they they had some trouble uh, and then went to sort of a licensed hardware model to to mitigate the the kind of Sybil attacks that were happening. It's just, it's really tricky to do kind of a proof of whatever, right? Um, and then not have people just like rack, you know servers in a in a um, uh, you know, in a data center.
4: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's that's about all the questions that I had uh, here for you. Um, And again, if someone wanted to get involved with your project, where's the best place to, to reach you?
3: Um, so yeah, we'd love for our folks to reach out. We do have a Discord server. There's a lot of folks getting excited about running validators as we sort of approach token launch. Um, uh also email, um website, althea.net. Um, you know, uh uh those those avenues are usually the best to get a hold of us. Oh, we are also in the market for a VP of marketing too. So if, you know, someone who's great at at sharing, um, you know, narratives and um, would love to come on board, I'm just going to give a quick plug for, we are hiring, we're hiring in marketing and comms.
4: That's awesome. Definitely want to, like for anybody that wants to get involved in the blockchain uh, ecosystem more, that's definitely an exciting opportunity to take advantage of. So definitely hit deborah up on that um is there any alpha that you can share on your uh, project
2: gosh
3: i feel like the whole liquid infrastructure is still pretty alpha right now um we've only sort of like um talked about oh i have a fun thing that we're going to be working on um uh, that I can share with y'all, um, part, primarily because I'm very excited about it. This um, is doesn't have necessarily a timeline to it, um, so we we'll probably not see this till late late this year or early next. But um, one of the things that we're very excited about is um, permissionless and public private key pairs for authenticating mobile networks, right? So right now, if you get a SIM in your phone from Verizon or AT and T, it's authorized from their central server, right? They have a what they call an HSS or something like this, and they'll um, you know send the command, and that's how you authenticate onto your mobile network. And then your carrier has agreements, roaming agreements between different carriers. That, as you can see, is probably very. It's very centralized. You really can't come onto their network, and that says they say so. But what if? we had a public-private key pair, and we had um, permissionless authentication feel like an eSIM, right? So you don't even have to have a physical SIM anymore, right, or VSIM. And then you could sort of seamlessly interconnect to the networks. And um, it's also much more secure, it's encrypted. Um, So I think that's pretty exciting. And anyone who's interested in working on this or like getting into this space too, we'd also love Join our Discord. Talk more. there would be
1: opportunities there, too. Uh, so, Debra, um, you might not be able to answer this. You might not be allowed to. But since you just left the Pentagon, do you have any government secrets that you want to share with <laughs> us?
3: <laughs> I believe this is recorded, too. Um, yeah, uh, I, th- I think I have just about as much risk in my life as I want to take right now. <laughs>
4: That's definitely the smart, yeah, smart way to yeah. go.
1: <laughs> That's cool though. That's cool though. I love it. It sounds like you guys are seriously working hard. You're getting recognized and like it's only the start.
3: I will share one alpha about the Pentagon, which I found very interesting. The center of the Pentagon, right? There's all those five rings, you know, and they kind of come down, right? In the center, there's a grassy area. And the very bleeding heart of the Pentagon is a snack shop.
1: <laughs> oh, they know what the, what needs to be happen happening there if everybody needs to keep secrets. They gotta keep That's everybody Exactly. Happy exactly. That's
3: the <laughs> modern day
4: water cooler,
1: right? Yeah,
3: exactly.
4: I, I actually Deborah, we have a lot of questions in the chat um about the job, um, the marketing oh, okay. uh, VP. Okay. Can you go into a little bit more detail as like what that entails, what that person is like responsible for? And like I guess. I guess just give like a little bit of insight to of what it looks like for someone to to work full time in the blockchain, uh, since it's like a dream of a lot of people in here.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um So. Um, what we're kind of looking for Althea in particular is one of those really interesting projects where it intersects um, a, a real world uh, audience and um, it's also somewhat B2B right there's that component um, and then it you know and, and the blockchain component right which is um, also I would say the other kind of part of this is the platform right um, we want the vision to be almost Linux like here's Althea the platform it's Linux maybe we have a kind of a red hat, right? We have a, you know, a, a corporate kind of part of it, but the but the platform itself is, you know, permissionless to enter in. People are excited to build on top of it. And what we're looking for for VP of marketing is someone to kind of come on board to help us um, narrate that vision. It really is the storytelling, right? Um, and it's one of the things, you know, historically, it's been a struggle for us to do that well. Um, and we've missed a lot of opportunities. Um, so what I'm, I'm really excited to have someone who has that core you know vision but then can narrate it well across a variety of different audiences um i would say working in in blockchain or at least uh my experience has been it's like the eat life like you're just constantly you know uh eating and iterating um and uh it never sleeps so we have to have someone who has a um propensity to, you know, maybe not, (laughs) not sleep as well and uh, enjoy, you know, a constant and dynamic and moving and and a lot of moving pieces.
4: Very involved. That's awesome.
3: I think it's addicting, though, right? So one, I, I I don't know that I could, you know, you could ever leave it, right? Because there's always something, um, even if it's spicy, <laughs> right? <laughs> or it's difficult, but it's always something new and intellectually curious, right? So the 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 exercise that we get mentally is is um, so rewarding that you know once you sort of get kind of like you know, you know hooked into it, you, you can't leave
4: yeah if you like <laughs> no what reading. you do you don't really work right <laughs>
3: yeah exactly <laughs> so that's, and well, that's I mean, how i kind of vision that althea is changing the world i mean i um i love althea like i was so excited when we first started working on it we got you know the first routers involved like you know this has just been um you know it is i feel like it is my my life's work and i uh, yeah it's it's amazing
4: that's awesome. It definitely does sound like you found your passion in life, and and are pursuing that. And that's just inspiring to hear and uh, be a part of. Um, so I appreciate you being here and sharing all all of your information. Uh, if there's anyone out there that wants to come up and, and has any questions for Deborah, make sure that um, just grab the mic and it's open. Um, we're not um, we're not scary or anything like that. Just come up and and ask your question. Um, Let me see. I have one other one. Um, What would you say your uh, primary customer type would be like? um, Yeah, that's the question.
3: Yeah. So we work a lot in the U.S. and I'm going to kind of talk. There's a lot of different like angles, as you saw, um, to who can use the platform and benefit from it. Like, like um, people building, it's less expensive, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, one thing that we found building um, over the last you know few years in the United States was um, just how many people were underbanked or unbanked. Um, and we're, you know, actually banking at their gas station, right, you know, and paying a lot of these fees for cashing their checks and doing basic banking. That was just really crazy. Um And I felt that I found that actually closely corresponded to their access to the Internet, too. It wasn't that they were, you know, they didn't have available income, but they didn't have access to banking or a way to spend it. Um, They maybe had broadband debt or, you know, it's very hard to pay your Comcast bill if you don't have a credit card. Right. Um, So uh, there's, in fact, 74 million people in the U.S. that use prepaid phones um not because they're better Uh, and they're not really that much cheaper either in many cases are about the same cost um but it was i think my hypothesis here is those 74 million people just have a ton of banking friction (laughs) maybe they aren't you know completely documented maybe something happened in the past maybe the credit's bad i don't know um but the really flexible billing the permissionless nature of it um all of that they those are a a huge market for and a user base for Althea um and then what's exciting is once they're there they got a hundred bucks on their router you can participate in lending you can earn you know you can you could earn um uh by LPing. right there's so many cool things you can do right um that's empowering that whole stack and so i uh I think the typical user is everyone, but if you don't have access to a, you know, a bank or you're underbanked, there's a lot of, um, you know, value adds in the LTS system that makes it really easy to jump on board and really utilize.
4: It's funny you say that when I was younger, I had a a prepaid cell phone and uh, I was like, maybe, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. And I had to, you know, I, I had a a little job at a bowling alley and I had, you know, bought it with that money. And I I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get a real cell phone plan because I didn't have the credit, you know, I wasn't 18 years old and, and all of that. And it really taught me that, like people that don't have that luxury, definitely like the prepaid cell phone was super expensive. Like I had to pay for the phone and then pay for every single minute, like uh, text messages to me costed uh, 25 cents and text messages uh, outbound costed 25 cents. And it was like, it was just so extremely expensive. And I I was like, wow, this is just so inhibiting. to like someone who doesn't have the resources to get a a full plan. So I appreciate you like bringing those resources to those types of people because I was one of them, you know what I mean? (laughs) At one point in my life. And Um, you know, if, if there was anything out there that could have made that better, um, I'm sure I would have, uh, done the research to, to use that technology. So I'm glad that that's, um, you know, I, I just thought that was a funny example because that kind of taught me that how valuable just even little pieces of data could be, whether it's just like, I just, these little small text messages, I was like telling my friend like, Hey, stop texting me. It's so expensive. But, uh, yeah. So that just reminded me of that. But we also had, um worker b come up what's up man
6: hey how's it going um sorry if you guys talked about this earlier i kind of jumped on a little halfway through um but my question is I'm, I'm a little more hands-on and technical like kind of building stuff in the real world so digging through the cosmos network uh front page i noticed you guys on there um a long time ago and so my question is for someone like me who's willing to go out and kind of like build stuff um how easy would it be for me to kind of build antennas and either put it around my town or like what would that structure kind of look like and how could i be able to apply that stuff
3: yeah there's a lot of and actually i really love that stuff too um you know we started the first few years i was in the crawl spaces as well and hanging antennas and going to crazy remote places and putting stuff up um it's it's really fun um but uh, so the the lift is not all that hard, and actually, there's a few different rules, right? So um, we have a what we call the network operator rule, um, and they work with our network operator center, like our corporate part of it our red hat part of the um of the of the business does that and they support you kind of getting started with your network with the resources and all of that um, and we've had folks get started with as little as like three or five thousand dollars um and just start building in their in their um their neighborhood and you know getting getting people connected and online um and then we can help with like you know marketing and outreach and those kinds of things too um So, and then there's larger, more extensive projects if you want to, you know, go all in full time. But um, you know, generally, just kind of assessing the area and all those steps is, you know, we can help you with that too.
6: Is this kind of like helium, where you need to have multiple antennas around you in order for these to work?
3: Well, it's a it's a routing and billing protocol for ISPs, right, for internet. You know, for the for the underlying layer of the internet, right? So it just depends on what you're trying to build. Um, you know what, how extensive you want to make it, right? If you just want to build like a private LTE, if you want to build, um, and you know, an ISP with fiber, you can do that. It's it's very modular, right? So it's really just the limits of you know how much money you have, what you're trying to do. You're trying to make a full time job, part time job, um, but it, but it, yeah, essentially at its core, it's uh, it's a platform for like the android operating system right a bunch of things you can about on top of it
6: do with it cool so it sounds like you know from living in the middle of the woods you could set this up get access to the internet or you could go around town and kind of set these up and provide for neighborhoods or something like that
3: yeah yeah and there's like i said there's um we we sort of early on we just really we did more of a helium approach where just anybody could put anything up wherever, um, and we realized that that was really tough to get the full like capacity of broadband networks. So we now have a network operations center that supports our network operators, right? To so the lift is a lot less. Like we'll help you find backhaul, um, and we'll guide you through the um, the the mapping and planning and all of that. So that that lift is not on that the person putting on the network.
6: Cool. Thanks for answering my question
3: absolutely
4: anyone come up you can ask some questions grab the mic let us know what's going on thank you deborah for all the the amazing answers tonight i know (laughs) uh, you're probably tired
3: oh i love this this kind of stuff so i really appreciate y'all having having me on here and sharing a little bit more about althea and it's got a lot of great listeners here too so recognize some folks out there
4: on twitter do you know anything about um prop 69 and and like what's going on with the hub minimalism argument and the WASM on Adam?
2: Well,
3: you know, I think we got connected because I did a tweet that said we need some better, you know, sources of information. So um, what I would like to say about this is, um, you know, typically when you, um, at least in the U S when you're going to vote on something, you get a voter's pamphlet and it's, you know, uh, there's some preliminary information. There's a couple different, you know, opinions and you can sit and you can read and you can absorb it and do your own research. So um, one of the things that I do think that's kind of unfortunate is we are kind of getting sounding boards um, where, you know, we have some, you know, builders and awesome people in Cosmos Um but that shouldn't be how we make decisions, right? We should always d y o r right <laughs> um, but there just really isn't really great places. I mean, I appreciate that y'all are coming on here you're you're doing um doing good work here, getting you know people's opinions out there and having these conversations um and I'm hoping that you know that we evolve through the ecosystem and find ways to maybe disseminate the information um out a little bit better um you know, I think. You know, just building in Cosmos and even, you know, if folks know my history, we were looking to build on the hub as well. And some of the complexities that came up with that and, um, you know, the hub has uh, has exchange validators, um, which can be problematic sometimes. Right. Not necessarily problematic. That's maybe not the best way they um, they aren't as responsive as some of the, um, you know, more involved validator sets uh, that are that their full-time job is just to, you know, validate on Cosmos Chains. So I would say that there is merit to, I mean, you know, to definitely both sides of this argument. Um, and I would love to find ways to help people DYOR more. Um, and happy to, if there's any way that I can be a part of that, I'm really happy to put in that work too.
4: That's a good point. It's one that's come up a couple of times in our spaces is that, Governance in general just needs a lot of work at, at the moment. So I appreciate your your comments on that because they they're a little bit different than what, what other people have said, and and uh, I, I appreciate that because um, I guess yeah, this this space and what we do is is was definitely trying to bridge the 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 gap for education and um, also just make it like easier to digest because um, you know people have full time jobs and you know, are investing a little bit of money in Adam that they have and, and you know, want to have a voice, but also want to understand what they're voting for, <laughs> especially if they're not tech uh, as tech savvy as as say you or um, you know, like a validator or something like that. So I guess um
2: Yeah, having, I just want to
4: more like yeah, sorry. What?
3: No, I I just wanted to sort of emphasize that point and and really appreciate the the, the work that you do and 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 that I think that is in, in Prop sixty nine too. Um, understanding the technical stack would help make better decisions. Like absolutely, um, and in many of these past you know um, governance decisions that have come up here in the last probably three or four months, having a good understanding of the technicality would help people make better decisions. But it's Difficult, right? And instead, I feel like what's been happening is there's just been, you know, a lot of noise and talking. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. Instead of like, let's dissect the technical elements of that. So, um, I really appreciate the work that you do. And I think that's an incredibly
2: salient point.
4: Thank you. (laughs) Hey, um, we got Tendermint Timmy coming up here. What's up, man? How's it going, everyone? Um, Debra, sorry if you might have already gone over
7: this.
5: I only joined like 20, 30 minutes ago, but I was a little bit curious just to kind of backtrack a little bit. Why um,
4: XDAI? That's like a network I've seen around for a while, and the only reason it's even been memorable is because it has "die" in the name. Like, I don't really know anything about it. Um, yeah, could you give me a little crash course on that? And sorry if I'm having you repeat yourself.
3: No, I didn't talk about this. And um, it, it's because we needed to have easily uh, usable um, stable coins, right? So um, basically, people actually buy on the Althea dashboard, ETH or DAI. And we have a little bridge that goes from DAI to XDAI. Um, what is XDAI?
7: Is it
2: an L2, I assume? Yeah, Um What's in relation to Die? Or is there one? Or is
4: that just a coincidence in naming?
2: So, um,
3: well, you know, Dive was very instrumental in, in um, its early, they still run like a, it's a proof of authority, right? So they still run a, a, what, I don't know what they call them, a node or something like that. And they're still very involved in it. Um, but it was also because the wallets were easy to use. So, oh, gosh, back in the day, what was that XDAI wallet name? We forked it and built a thing called Efectivo.cc. You can still go to it. Um, it's a little browser-based wallet in XDAI. It's actually kind of cool, Johan Schoenbeck built this, it gives you unique emoji identifiers. So it was super easy for people like in emerging markets to use. And we could do cash-based fiat on-ramping. Um, and it was just really accessible. It was pretty fast. It just worked. Um, does it Does it scale? No. but um, <laughs> So that's where we're at right now. We're definitely at its upper limits. I think we're 72% of the microtransactions on XDAI. But it worked. And it was easy. And there was a wallet for it. Gosh, what was the burner wallet that was the name of it burner wallet do y'all remember that back in the day
4: not don't actually i remember a lot of wallets from back in the day but not burner
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah there was no one like east denver everybody's buying their tacos with burner wallet or something like this um and uh, so we forked that. We made affectivo.cc. It was just very easy to work on, and you know, apparently nobody else else was there. I mean, now there's a, there's some more activity, people using it now, but um, for you know, contract calls and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so it it was a great place to sort of get started, you know, um, uh, iterate on with actual real people, and then you know, but we can't, we're not going to be able to scale with it.
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. Cool. Appreciate
4: it. Yeah anyone out there have any other questions for deborah she's generous to give her our give us our her time today so um really appreciate that again just
3: thinking about that tie wallet i can't remember who who made that There, uh ethereum dev where's a bow tie <laughs> it's gonna drive me crazy now
4: <laughs> i do not remember that i, I was not very into crypto or at least that much i was just buying ethereum back then or uh, mining bitcoin so i wasn't really much into the technicals just kind of knew that it was something i wanted to like learn more about i was interested in and uh, yeah
3: yeah but i mean that i mean that highlights the fact that there really isn't a lot of tooling and ease of use in um In crypto anyway, right? So most products are made for like DGENs or, you know, crypto, crypto developers. Um, But so like things that were easy to use for, you know, regular people or, you know, worked uh, in the ways that we needed them to. were just, you know, there really wasn't a ton of choices.
4: Yeah, that's for sure. I remember logging into Coinbase and there was like four coins.
2: (laughs) Yeah. the,
4: The good old days.
2: Early,
3: early on in in Althea, so we used just straight Ethereum and basically just taught people to use Coinbase wallets and then scan a QR code. So that was interesting to, you know, teach everyone how to use Coinbase, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, And, you know, and early on in the Coinbase uh, UX, too, it it had um, it was a little bit more accessible, It looked more like a bank. But then they started using the words like portfolio and investment. And that actually affected how we interacted with our users um, because they didn't want to have to get an investment portfolio to put, Mm. you know, 50 bucks on their router. Um, So that's when we started switching over to like like the Efectivo wallet. And then we just and now we work with wire. So there's just a little widget right in the thing. the dashboard
4: yeah those early challenges that you have are are valuable you know lessons uh learned that you can pass on to like people that are coming in and and uh you know building their own projects or working with you sharing that knowledge i love that experience is worth a lot in crypto and like (laughs) you gain it pretty quickly as fast as the the whole thing moves changes every day
3: It sure does. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of new folks just over the last year. Um, So it's great to see all the new faces.
4: I love it. I I think like what I think uh, mass adoption looks like and what it's actually playing out to look like just look a lot different. So (laughs) like you just, it never happens the way you think it's going to happen. So I'm just excited to be here and just day to day, try to learn as much as I can and, and be as valuable as I can to to everyone around me and just grow and learn together. That's what the the whole crypto is about. So I love it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it is, you know, a, a kind of a GameStop movement, right? There's a lot of new folks coming in. And um, I didn't also expect that that would be, you know, kind of kind of yeah. the honor for most folks. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, we're going to be here through bull and bear, um, no matter what the market does. So, um, hopefully we got some folks with diamond hands going to be hodling.
4: (laughs) I hope so too. Like it's, it's kind of scary to think that anybody that has bought this year is like probably in a loss, you know? Um, well,
3: it's only a loss if you sell. (laughs)
4: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's good advice. Um, have you found that there's like a specific router that uh works well with your um network or like um like a, a certain brand or type?
3: Yeah, that's that's a good question. So um we have the the two layers of encryption which has a little bit of overhead on the CPU. Um so we typically tend to use um a lot of Linksys. Um and you can go to our GitHub too and uh see the supported router versions, but Linksys is uh OpenWRT uh, mm-hmm. uh based um which is very easy for us to work with and then they usually have pretty good um they pretty good cpus um also we use a a a single board computer called the protectly um that's that the manufacturer's name is protectly um but they have a nice little uh mid-size or small size uh, single board computer looks just like a little box um that that works pretty well it's pretty flexible um uh for those two no, nope, we just need one or the other. Um, okay. Yeah, those are just our kind of typical, like most supported. So like if you go to our GitHub, you'll see like, you know, a list of like 15 different routers. And, you know, there'll be a half a dozen of them that are like, these are the ones that we will support that we were, you know, actively have dev, you know, um, time on. And then there's a few that we're just kind of playing with. Right. Um, so, you know, if this brave or as adventurous as you want to be, we also um, if you uh, if you go kind of through our you know what's going to be our partner portal and you work together with us, we have a network management platform called Operator Tools um, that allows the network operators to be able to support the routers in the field um you can do things like rebooting routers and um you know resetting people's passwords and things like that so that they you know they call in or they have problems or whatever and that's just you can also watch all the routers and, and then you can see you know how much money you're making which is really cool um and uh we even got some really cool uh management between the this is coming up. This is cool, between the router's Wi-Fi and the hand and your device, right? So you can really pinpoint exactly, you know, where the problem areas are. How to improve the your in-home network as well, which is what really matters because you don't interact with your router; you interact with your, you know, your your computer or your phone or whatever.
4: That's that's awesome. I might um, look into getting one of those routers and try messing around with that because that's that's something I used to do. Is like. Just tinker with those uh, network devices and make them work differently and flash different firmwares on there and, and stuff. So it sounds fun to mess around with that and, and, uh, you know, like you said, interact with the network. So that's, that's really cool.
3: Yeah. I'm sure there's a few. I mean, the, the router tinker is a, you know, flash tomato or, <laughs> um, did you need the, so the links is worth 54g is the og like mesh router from like back in the day so if you yeah. know what that is you're yeah. og
4: no i do it's that blue and black one yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: with the little two antennas that you know mm-hmm. one of them's normally broken where it doesn't right. stay up or whatever it just goes to the right <laughs>
3: <Night> <laughs> it's crud, <funny>. right there
4: <laughs> yeah i remember that was that was probably my first router
3: yeah yeah yep that's the one the original
4: yeah so fun that's cool though I I just love because I didn't ever think that that's how you know internet would become decentralized is like through our own equipment and like modifying things like that that's beautiful I love it
3: well I mean what is ownership so in my opinion ownership is two things it's choice so like For right now, like my phone, I don't have choice of operating system on it. I don't really have choice of what I can install on it or not. I don't necessarily feel like I really own my phone, right? Um... But when you have choice of, you know, the operating system, when you choose with data, like when you have choice, that's real ownership. And then the other side of that coin is if you can leverage it, right? Can you leverage it to earn revenue for you? Can you leverage it to do what you want? And if those two things are true, if you have choice and leverage, like that is true ownership. And and that's what like... And, um, a distributed group and a multi-entity, um, network made up of true owners is really how we protect those kind of like core freedoms of the internet.
4: Man, I love that answer. So good. True ownership and in, in a digital age, just it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun concept that is hard to wrap your head around, like what it looks like, um like fully decentralized, like if we didn't have any of these centralized entities, but there's got to be a, uh, like a fair balance of that. So it's interesting to see how it all plays out and, uh, gets built. So I'm just happy to be a part of it and see what I could do to help educate the, the people and bring people together. That's really what these spaces are, have been most like proven to be most valuable is Bringing people together, like you, like you know, you advertise the the job, and uh people hear that and spread that word, and and you know, we might find the right person for the the job, and I I, I love that, like just kind of like connecting those pieces, so that um, you know, the broader ecosystem gets built out faster. Just Human working, yeah, but yeah. If you have any questions, feel free to to hop up. Let us know what um it, what do you like what what is like the number one thing that like keeps you up at night with blockchain or like your project um what would you like to see um, like fixed in the ecosystem? what's your biggest like pet peeve
3: boy that's a <laughs> that's a good question. I've actually been thinking about something in particular a lot right so um it it kind of does kind of go to that 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 earlier point about like um you know empowering people to make their own choices um you know it's a lot of times you see like a fan a fan base or something around a particular individual or or whatever right um and i and there's nothing you know inherently wrong or bad about that but um there you know what what i would really sort of I, I think how we sort of get to this decentralization that choice and that leverage is by you know really empowering individuals to make and find relevance in their own decision making right rather than you know sort of having to feel like they need to coalesce around um, you know a leadership role right so i tend to like appreciate more horizontal type structures right but in order for a horizontal structure to work, people do have to feel like they they can and they they can take ownership of their life and their decisions and things like that. And so, um, you know, I think kind of what's been keeping me up at night is like, how do we um, and, you know, how do people feel empowered and how do people feel relevant in their own choices um, instead of like feeling relevant because they're part of a group? Um you, you know, how, do, how do we do that? Right. And, and the, the, the principles needed for that. So that's, um, I think going to be, you know, one, of, it's, it's a challenge in every, you know, environment, whether that's, you know, <laughs> um, in, in blockchain or, or otherwise, um, because before blockchain, um, I, I built a lot of, and supported a lot of going to build them, but I was supported building cooperatives and other types of more <laughs> horizontal looking. Uh, organizations, um, and all of the challenges there. Um, and a lot of it kind of boils down to like, how do we empower people to participate and to make their own choices?
4: I love that. Like, that's, that's something I think about all the time, like, because what you're talking about is decentralizing, um, personality types, like how we interact and work with these personality types within the the current, uh, hierarchy and structure. You know, if you're, more ambitious, then you're given more responsibility and and thus rewarded with more compensation. And it works in this like pyramid type thing. And, and I always think to myself, like, is, is there a better way that this could work? And sometimes I don't know, because it also encompasses like how people's personality types work. Like you said, some people just want to be a part of a group and follow what, uh, what they do and just be a part of it. And that that's fulfillment. That's enough fulfillment for them in life. Uh, forever but then there's also people that are very ambitious and like they should be w- rewarded uh more for their time and effort and it's like whenever you work in a horizontal structure and everybody's like kind of incentivized the same it's like you you run into those challenges of different like personality types not working i guess together the best way um so yeah i i i see that challenge all the time in my own work and uh it's something i've I've kind of thought about too it's it's hard
3: yeah, and I suspect there's like no one right way, right? Um, but also I I too also just love a federated approach. I think if you can kind of get the groups a little bit smaller so the um the work is more kind of closely correlated, right? Um and then find ways for and it's also that you know, it's how do we find ways and this is like pertinent in Cosmos too, for groups of people to work together, right? So all of these different blockchains have their own communities, but there's a Venn diagram of a lot of overlap of us, right? We, um, But so how does community group from blockchain A and community group from blockchain B, how do they work together, right? And normally in a corporation, the, just the head, you know, the CEO talks to the CEO and they make a deal and whatever. But um, that's not very crypto. Um, so how do we find ways for communities to work together? I think it is, it is challenging, but um, also exciting, right? It's Greenfield.
4: Yeah, I think your idea of small groups is is really where it's at. Um, because it, really, before we came into a small group, we really couldn't do much on our own. But when we combined our skills and and resources, man, beautiful things started to happen. So um i think that's it it's kind of like i wonder how we can like encourage that in a way like other than spaces and connecting people like i think that's it like bringing in and i don't really know how but it's like our personality types kind of aligned perfectly and that's just kind of like maybe it's just the universe and energy bringing people together i don't know but (laughs) um i just i don't know it's it's exciting to be a part of everything being like built out that way but yeah, find your group is how, what I say.
2: Well, so <laughs> we
3: started calling them like sub DAOs, right? So there's a little bit of alpha, right? Like, so is that the first sub DAO? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs>
4: But that's the neat thing
3: about crypto too, is like, we can, like, you know, we can make a sub dower, a hour we can do, you know, we can do whatever we can experiment and we can iterate and, you know, and learn from that and, you know, do that in a kind of a quick and, you know, failing fast. So if it doesn't work, you know, we should know pretty quickly. And I think that's also what's exciting as well too.
7: That's awesome. Hey, what's up everybody. What's up Gaines? I am super sorry. I'm tuning in a lot, like pretty, pretty late. I was just busy at work. Um, but hey, Deborah, quick question. Hey. What attracted you to uh, the Cosmos ecosystem? How, how did you get started in the Cosmos ecosystem? I don't know if you already went through that already because I'm tuning in late, but I would like to hear your story
3: um yeah no that actually hasn't been asked i'm happy to happy to share that so i'm going to take you back to 2018. um so althea has three co-founders there's myself there's justin kilpatrick kind of red hat open source background and then there's Jahan trenbeck who um who uh was a you know ethereum smart contract developer um uh, spent a lot of time in that space um but also was um was friends with Jaquan and 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 Suki. So, um, you know, originally we were, you know, fairly closely aligned just in from a, a personal perspective but also, you know, very much respected the tax. So, um, and then uh, as we started building, I mean, originally we thought about kind of doing a token curated registry with a independent, you know, Cosmos blockchain. Um, but you know, that really wasn't, uh, that really wasn't the right, you know, kind of path line. So we, we scrapped that and started building. We uh, ended up building on XI. I don't know if you caught that part of the conversation and kind of why we ended up there. It just was that mostly just by necessity, it was really kind of the only tool that was available for us to like, you know, directly onboard people from cash or, you know, have little wallets that were easy for people to use. Um, and then now we're, you know, of course, launching the Althea blockchain on Cosmos. But um, some of the requirements of a telecom blockchain, you know, I don't know that we could build really anywhere else. Um, and also sovereign, independent Internet of blockchains is really where we want to be, because one of the kind of cool things that we talked about early in the conversation was Althea users kind of from their home router can interact um, with like EVM based stable coins paying like what they consider to be like digital dollars, and then interact with Akash, right? You know, maybe, you know, earn earn revenue through Akash by, you know, they're sharing their compute and then also maybe buying, you know, a VPN through Sentinel, right? Or, you know, something from region and kind of the idea that you could access, you know, right from your home device in your home, all of this cosmosverse of like uh, different types of blockchains, DeFi applications and all of that, I think was very exciting to
4: us. I love that, like... You started in Ethereum and or maybe Bitcoin, but, you know, you ended up in Cosmos. That always gives me like reassurance that the smartest people are in here in Cosmos building. You know, the smartest people building the most uh, amazing infrastructure are building in the Cosmos. And I, I just get so bullish on that because. It's like, I'm sure you sat down and looked at all these other blockchains and said, man, this is this has got to be it. You know, like this is the best tools for my project to, uh, you know, thrive in the best way. So I just always get so uh, bullish on that, that, you know. For anybody that's building on Cosmos, they're usually super smart, way smarter than me. So <laughs> I always take that as a good sign that I'm in the oh, right place. Oh dude,
7: I feel you. Like right now listening to Deborah, like I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like to get on her level, I have to do like years and years of like training, you know. <laughs>
3: What I think what's exciting, too, is like, you know, interchain security is coming, you know, that'll enable also different types of, you know, applications like application specific blockchain. But I think also what's exciting about Cosmos is it really is the one ecosystem where you can have that sovereignty, right? And it harkens back to those principles of like, what does, you know, ownership, what does freedom really mean? It's that choice and that's leverage. And I I, I really don't think the architecture, you know, is there anywhere else but in Cosmos.
4: You use it once and you never want to go back. Exactly. <laughs> I swear.
7: We're spoiled here in the Cotton's ecosystem. Seriously. That's how it
4: was for me. I, I, cause I, so I mined Bitcoin, um, for a little while and it wasn't anything huge. I just had a, like an S9 in my, in my closet when like Bitcoin was like five or seven thousand. And I mined it for like a year and then the, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't, it shouldn't go into that. But anyway, I had to quit. And, uh, <laughs> then I started getting into Ethereum and, uh, Cardano kind of. And, mm-hmm. um, I bought a lot of Ethereum and it just was so expensive to move around. And I was like, well, I'll just I'll just keep buying it and like shove it in there, right? Just leave it. And then it started going up and I was like, well, maybe I should pay attention, like what this actually is, right? And so I started doing a lot more research and then I basically ended up in Cosmos. And I was like, okay, so this is its own chain, and then you can launch, you know, other chains off of it. Because I guess I was like looking at Ethereum coins and I was like Everything is built on Ethereum. Like, I want something off of Ethereum, something better than Ethereum. And that's how I found Cosmos. And like, whenever I sent my first transaction, I remember like going to MintScan and looking at the little numbers. And I was like, is that right? Like, is that, did I, I only used like 25 cents in gas. Like, it was like, this makes no sense. You know what I mean? So I just had to like dive deeper. And uh, the more and the further I got into Cosmos, the more and more it made sense. And it was like, this is like what the future should look like. So, um, it's exciting being a part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I just love to hear like about people building in cosmos because it's so interesting to me.
3: Yeah. And I think, that resonates with like all kinds of different users like one of the reasons why you know when we started talking to people with radio frequency spectrum right these carriers that had excess of it they were talking we were you know as we go to kind of nft eyes that um where they were like well hey we i minted an nft on ethereum and it cost so much money to move around like i didn't even know like this would be possible um so i you know i think it, it those gas fees are really such a barrier across Cost a lot of different things, Um, and a lot of a lot of different people. You know, it's a friction to onboarding for sure.
4: My friend always sends me like screenshots of him trying to to to. He's like waiting for the perfect time to move out this hundred dollars of UST or uh, I don't know what it is, but he has some (laughs) a hundred dollars of that coin in uh, his Coinbase wallet, and he's like, it's just forever stuck there. And I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) So. Um, it definitely like gives people a negative experience. Like that money is just basically lost for him forever. And I guess until they make the the transaction fees better, if that ever happens.
3: But I mean. in 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 crypto or ethereum's defense like try to western union something right and then talk about ux right we all talk about oh man crypto ux is terrible like okay western union something though right (laughs) it's so much worse
7: oh yeah definitely does that that still exist really western union still exists till this day
3: Well, so yeah, for if you're moving money between like the US and uh, you know, like South America or something like that or whatever, um, you know, kind of to the previous point about like being underbanked or unbanked. So yeah, for a lot of people, Western Union still exists and don't have the privilege of using, you know, different types of ways of moving money around.
7: That's insane. Like twenty twenty-two, you you would think that maybe PayPal would come up with a better system than Western Union for people to like go to the store. You know, you know, just I don't know. This is just nuts. It's just nuts with all the technology out
4: nowadays. Yeah, like having to trust all those people to move that money costs that much. It's like I can't wait till there's no way to make money off of the movement of money like that just because of how trustless uh, crypto can be.
3: I mean, and it's also like a way of censorship, right? Um, so when we built in Nigeria, the only way you couldn't Western Union, no bank would send money there. There was no PayPal. There's nothing. There was literally no way to get funds into Nigeria except through crypto. Um, so, you know, because, you know, of its decentralized nature. Um, and I think that's what's so exciting is like, you know, it's, it's kind of unbelievable legacy systems haven't, you know, evolved, but I don't think they will um it really is the space for crypto to to move into
7: sorry someone came up i'm having i'm having nope. like connection issues on my end i keep uh, getting rugged <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm so frustrated every time i want to talk and deborah's like done speaking like seriously boom i get rugged it's annoying
2: you need an althea network <laughs>
7: seriously <laughs> you, what, what did you guys do out in nigeria that's that's not interesting
3: yeah. So, um, you know, when you build in, in other countries, you do need to go through like the ISP license process. So that takes a little while. Um, so we went through that process, but um, we built a fixed wireless network there together with a network operator. Um, you know, the kind of central point of entry was this mosque in the community. And then um, uh, basically um, they're kind of local like banking system is these these people that are going to sit underneath umbrellas and they would also do they would do like the fiat on ramping um but yeah so we just built a like a you know community network there and then people would who would host the althea network they could uh put a wi-fi hotspot up and people nearby could jump on with their phones and everybody got a little revenue share along the way
7: beautiful not to sell elon musk or anything but what do you think about the whole starling thing that he's building
3: So, um, well, there's, oh gosh, that's a, that's a big question. um, No, well, so one thing just so for folks that maybe don't know, um, the Elon Musk Starlink satellites are different than the normal kind of higher orbit ones that are like, case a lot of latency, right? Because basically they're kind of like fancy space towers. They got it being sent something all the way up to the satellites and then back down. So there's a lot of latency if you're higher orbit. If you're lower orbit, it's going to be a lot better, right? That's how he's able to achieve a lot of the performance. And then there's also the inner satellite links that he's making too, um, so that, that you don't have to beam it up and then back down to the satellite. You can interconnect between the satellites themselves. Um, um so uh it it really does empower like connectivity where there wasn't any before and that's really exciting so um althea is agnostic we can work with starlink satellites as well and i think there's an interesting intersection with our mobile product, right um and the the core that you can have an edge core um and the starlink satellites themselves um i do think the same monopolistic vertical architecture of comcast also exists now in space Hmm. (laughs) with starlink as well too so we do still have some of that same kind of problematic monopolization of the telco stack um as you uh, maybe or maybe didn't know they just raised prices again um and there isn't really any kind of customer service so the same kind of like problematic pieces to the architecture of the telco stock are exist there um so the the hope is that we can you know decentralize all of the mediums and you know in this uh, summary from submarine cables to uh fiber optic on land to to wireless and even into space at one point
7: wow very interesting
3: Another thing to kind of note about that too is that the they're they're capacity limited, right? So they're they're going to be um you know primarily deployed in places where you know internet just isn't um or the bandwidth requirements are somewhat limited as opposed to being like a a big alternative in urban areas. What, you just see a lot more fiber the, in urban
7: areas are you looking to expand
3: well, so um, we are looking to make it much easier for our partners to build. So we spend a lot of time working on that. And 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 once we start shipping out the, you know, the key LTE routers and things like that, um, we're going to primarily focus on that. Um, our our kind of corporate side of the arm that builds networks is building um, in San Diego, Denver and um uh Tacoma Washington and Atlanta this year so we're really kind of growing into the urban areas in the US um and we also have some work we're doing in um Puerto Rico and um Costa Rica it looks like as well um but uh but again we're also looking to kind of like support other people starting to to take on that lift of building as well and
7: like I said Deborah I tuned in a little bit late but um um obviously you know people have to pay for the service and so how does how does that work how does that look like
3: so um we so althea is a platform right and it's for routing and 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 metered billing transactions right so all these the the things move around the network and then althea token holders get kind of a percentage of that money moving around the network um so it really works for us that the more people that (laughs) get it out there you know however that looks it is is better for the network as a whole um but individual operators, right? So the infrastructure layer is decoupled from the service layer and the routers pay, you know, someone for liveness and like on a on a daily rate, maybe they pay 30 cents a day to a network operator who manages their local network. And then they pay all the distributed infrastructure. Um so those network operators, um, you know, have, uh, you know, they might set a network operator fee and then, then there's a band. So the bandwidth price is going to be, um, you know, whatever it is in that locality. It's going to change uh, based on kind of who's setting it up and running it. Uh, although typically it's it's probably about two thirds of an average cost. Right. So in most of the U.S. it's about 40 bucks a month oh, is the average. I, wish, Deborah,
7: I pay 60, 65 dollars for Internet here in Michigan. It's insane. And it's,
0: it's not the fastest internet (laughs) either. Obviously
7: my connection keeps
4: going out. Yeah, It's like 85 bucks over here in Texas. So it's expensive.
3: Yeah. But I mean, so the very first part of the conversation, I, I was like, Hey, there is a place in the internet right now before, even before Althea called the internet exchange where they charge bandwidth as a commodity and what happens there between carriers. Cost has gone down and bandwidth capacity has gone up. And that's what's happened with Althea networks, too. In fact, um, since we started launching networks like 2019, um, several the majority of networks have actually cut costs. Um, and bandwidth has gone, you know, it's, it's tripled, right? Post COVID helped that, right? But it's the same kind of market dynamics that are in place because you have that natural alignment um, when bandwidth becomes a commodity between user and provider that you don't have in these siloed monopolistic systems where they're trying to capture the user and they can't even fully utilize the fiber line um, because they can't allow, you know, anyone else's bandwidth to tra- tra- traverse it. It's just a system that doesn't work for anybody.
7: Can you hear me, Deborah? Yep. Okay. So I switched my phone um, because the other one, again, I got rugged. I'm I'm still up here, little gains, but for whatever reason, I can't speak. Sorry. Yeah, my connection is going bad. Speaking about internet,
2: my
3: goodness. (laughs) They heard us, right?
7: I swear. This is the first time this has happened before. What's going on?
3: That's right. Your carrier heard that disruption is coming.
7: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Anything exciting that you would like to talk about that's happening in the cosmos ecosystem that you want to share with the audience here?
3: Um, I'm pretty darn excited about a lot of the different Cosmos projects. I think Agoric's um, product, project is really exciting. Um, I, I think they're going to be launching some things pretty soon. that seemed pretty cool. Um, excited for Akash. Um, excited for Interchain Accounts. How cool is it to be able to Inter in interconnect and interoperate with all of your, you know, cosmos blockchains from one one place, I think is hugely empowering. And the kinds of things that I think we're going to see from that is very cool. Oh, here's another cool little bit of Alpha, too. So we from the Gravity Bridge side have been working with the Stargaze folks who are amazing um, on NFTs and in particular sending erc721s through the gravity bridge um to ics721s and working on that spec so how cool would it be to send your ethereum nfts over to sargays um and then also be able to sort of send them between um cosmos blockchains too so that's also really exciting too it's actually gonna it's, it's pretty cool stuff
7: oh yeah that's definitely some cool stuff right there for sure that probably takes a lot of a lot of work though to make that happen
3: yeah but that's what's so cool about the Cosmos is like kind of what's coming together is a lot of collaboration um, you know we uh, th- there's kind of a little known Cosmos project called IrisNet um, who we, we've known a lot of the folks in that for several years too but they actually are the ones that initially specified ICS 721 right so kind of getting them and like Omniflix and uh, Stargaze and all these like really cool Cosmos NFT projects that are coming along together you know and all on the same page and you know, that's really been spearheaded a lot by the great folks at Stargaze as well. Um, but just to have those kind of collaborations collaborative talks, I think is really pretty cool. Um, I, I think, you know, we've also just from the Gravity Bridge side, been having some great conversations with the Sift chain folks about starting the discussion about token fungibility, stable, you know, Ethereum bridge stable coins um, or just ethereum bridged tokens in general like you know we're going to have you know 80 million different versions of them what do we want to do about that and then i think you know the cosmos community can be a spicy one but they are passionate and they care a lot and um, we can have good discussions about all of these different things and so i'm also looking forward to starting the conversation about You know, kind of how us as an ecosystem want to start looking at that kind of you know issues and opportunity areas.
7: I feel you. I feel you. We're we're, uh, really passionate about this space, and we want the best for it. You know, absolutely,
2: absolutely.
7: And we just gotta keep our cool sometimes and take things easy. You
3: know? Yeah. I mean, I I really do think a lot of it is that we um, if we had good meeting places like this right here where we're, we're all here having a great conversation um, that really diffuses a lot of that. Right. Oftentimes you have like, you know, the Twitter platform is like meant to amplify noise. Right. It's not necessarily meant to have, you know, good discussions amongst people that, you know, respect each other, but disagree. Right. Which is always going to happen. Um, so I think, you know, finding more opportunities to have those open discussion forums where we can, you know, respect each other, disagree, and, and still like, you know, have productive conversations I think is, is, is positive.
7: We had some, we had some um, very, very good discussions here on Twitter spaces. Thank God, we have Twitter spaces.
2: You know, it's, it's like yeah. a
7: whole different feeling when you're actually speaking to the people um, exactly. behind the profile profile pic, you know, definitely love these Cosmos spaces.
3: Yeah. Yeah. all will do God's work here. I appreciate you.
7: <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And I really appreciate you for joining us. I mean, I know you're probably super busy and um, thanks for taking the time to hop on.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime.
7: Opening the floor now to anybody that just wants to come up here and chit chat, you know, just hang out. I know there's a lot of listeners, and um, it'd be nice to just chit-chat with some of you and catch up. It's been a busy week for all of us. A lot of stuff going on. You know, the Evamos launch, Acid Mantle, and all that good stuff.
1: And Deborah, someone's got some chips. Chips? (laughs) Someone's eating chips in the background. I'm just joking, though. Uh, Keep keep going with your question.
7: I'm sorry. Like I said, so here's the thing. So I try to log in with my uh, other profile, right? Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, I think you and Eric are, like, on the same profile, (laughs) both putting out (laughs) audio.
4: I thought it was Deborah. I thought it was Deborah (laughs) eating chips. I was like, she got hungry. I was like, yeah, I would have got hungry, too, with all that info she's dropping. (laughs) Please stand by. That's too funny. That's like, I love examples of when the cause, <laughs> when the network would mess up like that. Like I was always interested as a kid when I was on the phone and like I heard somebody's random conversation and I'm like, what? You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, it was just basically the lines getting crossed that always fascinated me. And then, you know, learning about crosstalk and all the network, uh, you know, information and yeah, it's crazy. What's up, little game?
1: We'll see if round, round three works, round four or five works. For
7: I swear, I, I think Elon Musk is mad at me or something because I, I keep getting rugged. This is not cool. Elon Musk, please stop. <laughs> please stop it. No way,
1: dude. I need Elon to remove my ghost band so I can have people see my
7: tweets.
4: Did y'all guys see that he said that the comms in Twitter should be like encrypted end-to-end? And then Alter Communications, like, came out and was like, hey, uh, you're probably not going to see this, but that's what we do. And I thought that was, like, super genius uh, uh, marketing on their part. That was awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think a lot of good things are going to come from Elon from Twitter. But I think there's going to be a lot of controversial things because, from what it sounds like, he's going to, like, really be impartial and, like, allow both sides to really have their voice heard which is going to upset both sides. But the both sides are upset, you know, that we're doing it right. That's
2: kind
7: of nuts. Like I said, it's been a crazy month. Crazy week, crazy month. So much stuff going on.
4: Yeah, the Elon buys, um, you know, Twitter, and then it looks like Free Speech has a chance, and then they tank the market, The you know, the financial elite. It's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. did you guys – um? Successfully claim your
4: your EVMOS and stuff like that. I've been having a hard time. You guys hear me? I think the I think the only ones that I can claim are people that got a wrecked drop from the Ethereum side uh, through MetaMask. Um, I think I read that there's like some kind of issue, and there's a proposal out on the Cosmos chain to fix the EVMOS ID or something like that, so that. Um, it'll work. I think that's right. I don't know. I haven't really paid too much attention, but that's what I saw earlier today. Hmm. The the first time, right, that people were able to claim the airdrop,
7: um, people that had MetaMask, they weren't a- able to claim it, right? It was only the people that used
4: Kepler. But now I think it. they were. I think they were able to stake it, but I could be mistaken on that because I don't have um an airdrop from the Ethereum side. I only have an airdrop from the other side. and Um, I was able to claim and stake some of it on the wallets that don't have a ledger, but the wallet that does have a ledger, like when I tried to claim it, the tokens went to like a different wallet. That's not compatible with Evmos or something like that because of the divuration path. And um, like now, if you look on uh, the Evmos website and you had that issue happen to you, those tokens are sitting there and it's like, You have to recover them somehow, and they're going to have a way to do that through the website so that you don't lose your tokens.
8: Gotcha. Hey, what's up, Ash? Nothing much.
4: EVMOS is making me use
8: my metamask again. Isn't that
7: such a weird feeling, (laughs) going from Kepler, or yeah, you just being so spoiled with Kepler and now having to go back to metamask?
8: Yeah, I mean to be honest with you, though MetaMask isn't too bad. The the reason why people think it's really bad is when you have to use ETH gas fees, and I understand that. I I mean, I completely understand that. You know, I actually had to send ETH this morning. I did it real early, and it wasn't too bad. It was, I mean, compared to what we deal with Cosmos, it's still horrible. But it was only like a little over five dollars for a transaction. But I did it like at seven thirty in the morning a.m. So there probably wasn't too much traffic going on back you know then but yeah yeah, yeah I mean, one? It, it's cool though i mean i'm just excited i don't know if you guys checked out the um the if the marketplace for evmos it's
7: pretty cool Mm-mm. no but i see there's a few different apps now on the um mission control dashboard that i didn't see there yesterday there's a whole bunch
8: yeah, I did the swap already, a little bit of EVMOS to the Fusion, so I can get that last 25% of the airdrop,
2: which was pretty nice. Ah, I'll click on that right now and check it out. Hey, Edwin, trying to connect? Edwin, Edwin has some um, bad connection issues, too. He's he's from Venezuela. Oh, and he's some down there, too. Mm-hmm. Is he trying to connect? back back to the listener yeah i'm kind
4: of excited for Evmos though i'm not gonna lie
1: a million transactions already did you guys see
4: that yeah i was gonna say the validators uh like i think it was jacob and golden ratio that they were saying like man there's a lot of transactions and i looked on Scan and i was like wow i think it was already over a million right um, yeah there's a lot just the other day and like it's probably already over two or three million now it's like crazy but does that mean that there's a lot of bots like what does that mean exactly
1: i mean there's a it lot of people there's like, a lot of action going
4: on yeah cuz
8: you can use your meta and basically if someone has a meta mask they could just use i mean diffusion and do whatever and the the, the fees are so low with Evmos the gas fees so there's there's on. probably
4: a lot of like arbitrage bots or something going on yeah there's a lot of, a lot of, of there's before. a lot of
8: swaps I, mean, I think there's two main pools right now there's a USDC and a uh, a wrapped EVMOS pool. And then there's also a diffusion and wrapped EVMOS pool. And then uh, I think there's a couple other ones too. But yeah, people are messing around on that. So you can do a lot of swaps like really cheap. And if, if people did bridge over any assets, ERC-20 over, they're probably like, wow, if this is the first time they actually got exposure to IBC, they're probably like, wow, this is crazy. How cheap these fees are. But yeah, you can just... um you can insert your seed phrase right into MetaMask. It's pretty easy, or your private key. It'll just it'll automatically just. You know how like when you go on your Kepler and it has your F, it has your Ethmost address. It has two of them. Well, that's how you can get your your uh your second FMOS address directly onto your MetaMask if you just insert your uh, your your seed your phrase right into uh, Kepler. I mean
7: MetaMask got rugged again. I'm back though. like happening like every five minutes or so what the heck dude i'm trying to connect to diffusion right now with my metamask see how that goes yeah but you guys should check out the there's already
4: some nfts yeah i wanted to get one of those punks but i don't know um i guess i'd have to like connect it to metamask or whatever where did you say you're checking out the nft sauce i see there i don't know i think we're getting runs hard I don't know. It's actually really weird for me, too. Though. It's like sometimes it'll cut out in the audio, but I don't know if that's Telegram messing it up or if it's Twitter messing up. Because I think it's like Telegram thinking that there's some kind of voice message in there, but there's not.
7: So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. This thing is weird. Haas went back to a listener. I don't know if that was on purpose or oh, wait. Maybe he's having issues, too.
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part IBC gang lounge space talking about decentralized internet access with the Althea Network. Recorded on Friday, April 29th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening in the darkest of times when the phoenix arises out of the ashes like some burned up papyrus open the sarcophagus and release the virus got a lump in your throat like tonsillitis when the flags go up like everyone is righteous spending government checks sniffing up the white dust the previous generation wants to be just like us fuck that shit I'm trying to be like was. drop the bias and you might survive this the mummy coming through to remind your highness I might just buy up my own fucking island build a little bunker then wait for the timer countdown to zero day exploiting every exploit in your internet sex toys and emitting vibrations through the ether did you just come me either If you look at the bright side, we're lost at the right time Blindly following stars in the night sky Part of me might ride away with the prize fight Man versus everything else until the time's right Unleash the him. no wait, that was crack Fuck now, everybody feeling all amped up Fucking like bunnies to the national anthem Ugly little shit's eating up all our rhythm Mishandling the captions, who has the answer? Holding our attention for Ransom Fed up with all the red tape and the boring template Like it matters if it's a blue or red state Charged every month and we can't even cancel Feeling distressed? Fuck it, kill the damsel Fuck gas, yes. it like we're on some undead shit And pass the bitch around like a meme from Reddit. In the beginning it was suggested that the mortality rate would be 5% And the numbers are so much higher We're not ready for the next epidemic so, if your oxygen level falls
3: too low and it cannot be kept up with just what we call nasal cannulas or rebreathing oxygen masks, if you can't get enough oxygen from that, then they will intubate the the patient.
0: Gender spaces.